This week on the Backtable Podcast. Look, you're working with a group of people. You see these people like almost as much as you see your kids. And it's something where you as the surgeon can share something with the circulator in the room, the med student in the room, the CRNA. You all are sharing an experience. When I get a sense that everybody likes a song playing, it's sort of like in my mind, okay, my playlist has done what I wanted it to do. It, it brought everyone together. We're operating, we're getting this case done, and everybody's in a happier place than they were before we started the case. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Backtable podcast, your source for all things urology. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and at backtable.com. This is Aditya Bagrodi as your host this week, and I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Piyush Agarwal from the University of Chicago. Piyush, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, Aditya. Thanks for having me on. This is a real pleasure. I have to admit, I haven't listened to many podcasts, but I'm, I think I will listen now that I'm sort of part of this, I'd love to listen to other shows you've done in the past as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of nice. You know, we're coming at it, Tabula Rasa, and I'm super pumped about the topic for today. I did a little bit of prep, and this is something that actually Pew should kind of come up with. It's music in the OR, and clearly there's a lot of different um, directions that this can take. But let's just jump into it. Maybe Maybe first things first, what exists out there in terms of data, surveys, if you had to kind of just land on it, music in the OR, good or bad, what's your thought here? Yeah, I think uh, this the high-level summary is that 90% of surgeons play some music, and music is fine as long as it's shared decision-making among everyone in the room. And that can mean a lot of different things, obviously. Type of music, the loudness, you know, making sure everybody is on board with it. The thing I found that was sort of conflicted was... The sound level, most people agree that music was fine, but that when the level got too loud, it was disruptive to the care of the patient. And there was even one report that said there was higher surgical complication rate with increased volume of music. So, uh, But I think the general gist is most surgeons play it, and most people in the room find it soothing, relaxing, and basically decreases the stress out of a stressful situation. That's perfect. And I think that'll really kind of allow us to dig into each of those high level comments that you made. And, you know, as I was preparing, I was actually, it's intriguing. There's a whole literature devoted to this field and pretty clever ways of vetoing people and looking at kind of what they're up to, patient outcomes, and, and we'll certainly touch base on those. But this is not a novel concept. It sounds like, you know, you go to the time of like Aristotle and Hippocrates and those folks back in the day harps playing, priests chanting. Now that could have been due to different reasons because of the lack of anesthesia and, and surgical outcomes, but this is a tale as old as time. So, so maybe Piyush, let's walk through a day in your OR. So you got a, a couple of majors, a couple of smaller cases. Let, let's kind of talk through how that goes. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you just a little background. You know, uh, so I used to DJ in college and in med school, and then early in my residency. So I've always, music's been really important to me. And, you know, essentially it's helped me study in the past, has helped me get through some tough periods in my life. And so I always find it, I sort of have a background theme music playing in my head all the time. 
And that that theme music could be something, you know, badass like Shaft, or it could be something else, the theme song to Kill Bill, something like that. But, you know, when I'm in the OR, I want to continue the theme song. So for a short case, you know, really short, uh, especially if the patient's awake, we'll play no music or whatever the patient prefers to listen to. So I did a couple of cystoscopies today under some sedation. So we played, you know, no music actually during them. Patient had no preference. For sedation cases and even, you know, for general cases, do you ever ask the patient, does that ever go down? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, when I'm with our usual scrub nurse and circulating nurse, they do a really good job during those cases of talking to the patients, asking them what's going to help them relax, would music help? And they usually will put on some music that the patient likes. And it'll be stuff like jazz. It'll be stuff like classical. It might even be whatever, you know, whatever Dr. Agarwal wants to listen to. We'll definitely ask them if they're awake in any form. I think that's just the right thing to do. This is a person that's going to sleep that you're taking care of. So might as well, you know, keep them comfortable if they're going to be awake. Now, when they're asleep, I'm sure there's science on whether or not play music that helps patients that they enjoy. But since we're doing most of the work for several hours, I actually, I have to admit, I don't ask patients in that situation. I just sort of play what we're going to play, you know, or what we as a group in the OR want to listen to. But that'd be interesting. I'm sure there's some science behind that. Yeah, just a couple of comments. So I got to admit that for patient preference, pre-anesthesia, I, I kind of rely on the team. Let's just say I'm not very proactive about it. And I mean, I've seen it done amazingly, you know, in prostate biopsies and assistors in the clinics and like super Zen music that you might expect at like a spa. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of a ultra tranquil mode. It's nice for me. I think it's nice for the patient. Sometimes in the OR, people will actually have some Zen music going on and on the screens that'll ultimately show, you know, the endos endoscopy imaging or vitals or whatever. They'll have like a like a rainforest scene. And I'm always like really appreciative to the staff that takes that step. Um, and then of course, I think, you know, asking the patient if they have a preference, that's, that's really, really nice. And I've had a couple of funny guys that requested things like comfortably numb, or I want to be sedated, some appropriate ones. But I think that, you know, that whole anxiety around this may be your first surgery, this is surgery, maybe it's your eighth surgery, and that ex accelerates the anxiety. But these are small things we could do. And, you know, whether it's headphones or a small little, you know, mini device and pre-op potentially, I haven't really kind of dug into this. But bottom line, it sounds like let the patient be involved. And if they want nothing, okay, fine. But that period from getting to the hospital to being intubated, I suppose, and certainly if you're sedated, there's some value there. Fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. I mean, I think to one of your points, we don't, in our busy office practice, you know, I may do 15 cystoscopies in the office on a given clinic day. And if our MA plays something from her phone, that might be what we do. We don't really set up the music in the Cysto suite because literally we're in there for two, three minutes for a Cysto. But I can imagine, you know, had we offered it to patients, you know, more routinely, they'd probably enjoy it. Omar Rahim, who you know, you know, he says hi, and he had alerted me. He had a paper actually where they did a randomized study of office cystoscopy randomized to music or no music and looked at anxiety scores and, you know, with a visual analog scale. And they were definitely significantly lower, you know, in the music group. And of course, that may or may not be some sort of bias on the patient's part, knowing that they're receiving music. But, uh, 
you know, those, those scales also patients, you know, we think patients can choose, you know, what happy face describes their feeling or not. So if you believe it, I do think we probably should do a better job in office-based procedures to relax patients and music can definitely be the, be the way to do it. Right. It's the small things, right? It's like, it's like the bag squeeze to distend the urethra a bit. It's maybe having warm irrigant versus ice cold irrigant. That's not going to, you know, completely make it a catastrophe or not, but it could absolutely help. And, and why not if it's free and relatively easy to implement? All right. So I think we've almost gotten to the patients asleep for sedation. Anything else on the sedation side, maybe before we... No, you know, I, I do think prostate biopsies is a great way. You know, I don't really do prostate biopsies anymore, but from when I used to do them, I remember just that patients would always be much more anxious. It's a much longer procedure. You know, it seems longer than a cystoscopy does. And sometimes, you know, again, without chaperones, it can seem a little bit awkward. So I think music can actually calm the patient down and maybe calm the physician down as well. Certainly can't take the spot of a chaperone, but it certainly can, I think, lighten the mood and decrease the stress for all parties involved. So I do think prostate biopsy and cystoscopy would be great ways to implement more music. All right. So sedation, pre-op, pre-induction, I think we've had a good chance to chat a bit about that. So the case, let's say your first case is a TRBT and you've got a couple of, you know, got a cystectomy maybe later on in the day. So case duration, how does that impact thing, if anything? I think um, you've got a, you know, sometimes you had a short case that you're trying to make it a short case because you know you have to do a lot of work. You got a large tumor in the bladder. You got to get out, but you only have an hour because you got to go start your cystectomy. So you're definitely going to put on some more high energy music. You're definitely going to put something on that's going to keep you moving. You actually might have the volume just a little bit louder. There was a study done by urologists who looked at interruptions during surgery. They basically counted during a hour surgery, there were at least 20 interruptions during the surgery. And most of it was people walking in and out of a room, you know, relieving someone, grabbing some sort of instrument, all of that. And in fact, you notice the interruptions more when there's no music. So you've got like a defined period of time to do a lot of work. I think put on music and you don't, you don't have to worry about all the sounds around you and you get done, you know, as fast as you can. So I think fast paced music is sort of the way I go for a quick TRBT. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, who picks? Is it like, all right, we're doing this big TRBT. Let's go ride or die. Here's a song. Yeah, that's sort of part of the morale building, which I love about music in the OR, because you could just play your own music. You know, I had attendings over the years. He would put on the Howard Stern show and he'd love it because it would just be like, it'd be a laugh and, you know, we'd be doing cases. He was a pediatric urologist, so we'd be doing all of our circs and, you know, small kind of outpatient surgeries just to Howard Stern all day. And then it would create banter because if he'd say something, and that would not fly in this day and age, right? Because if he says something about what women do and you turn to your scrub tech and say, who happens to be female and say, do women do that? That, that wouldn't fly in today's era. But, you know, this is back in, you know, 2000 to 2006. So things sort of flew a little bit more. I think, you know, he would never ask me, he'd never ask anyone in the room. That's what he wanted to listen to. And what I'll try to do is if I'm working with a resident, we've got a bunch of cases for that day. I want the resident to kind of feel the energy and the mood that we have to get to. So I'll ask him, okay, what's going to relax you, get you started? It's the first case of the day. What kind of music are you into? If the resident has no preference, you know, I'll ask, uh, I'll ask the 
scrub tech or the circulator and say, you know, do you have any preferences? And often everyone is just like, whatever you want to listen to Dr. Agarwal. So I tend in my mixes to put a lot of variety. So you would, you would hear a lot of different songs and say to yourself, that's an odd choice. But at any given moment, my thought is that song is going to appeal to someone different in that room so that you may not like, the resident may not like the next five songs in a row, but they're probably going to like three of them and the other two other people really enjoyed. Man, there's just so many things kind of going on in my head right now. And so what I'll generally try to do is if anybody's excited about a type of music, you win. You know, if somebody's like, oh, I mean, for me, I feel like I'm not getting any younger. I don't want there to be some big like generational divide where I don't know any of contemporary music. And that's one of the things I love about residents is that they stay the same age. So I kind of get introduced to stuff. I also feel an obligation to make sure that good old fashioned classic music and oldies is introduced to them. But I also really think it's a nice opportunity to, you know, do a couple things. One, level the playing field. You know, make sure if there's short cases, let's let's democratically switch it around. And one day, the maybe for one case, the anesthesiologist picks and then the CRNA and the scrub and the circular and the resident and me. And, you know, I'll try to defer that. I don't curate playlists. I'm happy to offer a genre. That's just a laziness thing, ultimately. Longer cases, sometimes what I like to do is go through the decades. Like if it's going to be like a five, six hour RPL and deal, like, all right, let's start with the seventies and an hour. I'll literally ask the circulator, like, all right, in an hour, let's move to the eighties and nineties and so on and so forth. And then sometimes there's a song that if it's going to be me or it's in my genre, that isn't maybe kind of completely in line with the neat and tidy professional version of Aditya. And I think it allows for a little bit of camaraderie and so forth. That's not just, Hey, I'm here to do what I need to do. Any comments on any of that? I love the decades. That's that's awesome. That makes it fun because, you know, you're looking at the clock and you know time's going by, but, you know, you're moving on to the next step. And as a result, you're moving on to the next set of music. So I think it's actually gives everybody in the OR something to look forward to, makes them cognizant of time, but it also keeps things interesting. So I actually will steal that from you and try that on a case I have later in the week. I think the music, I like also democratizing it. So if you are, if somebody comes in and like, for example, the other day I had one of my residents bring in her speaker. So clearly she was motivated to play some music. She wanted to play music. So she, she offered for me to Bluetooth to her speaker. And I said, no, 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 it's not a problem. You, you got your speaker. Let's, let's play, you know, introduce me some new stuff. And, and she loved it. She was operating and she was kind of, it was relaxing for her and I got to hear some new music. So I think that is also great. So yeah, sometimes we're in a situation where the nurses will have their speaker and so they clearly, you know, want to play something and and we'll play it. And a lot of times it's, you know, I'm about the same age as most of our nurses are, so it's usually I know all the songs, I'm not sure the residents know all the songs. Yeah, that's where that kind of obligation to make sure that they know music that's still contemporary, but will rapidly become an oldie, I suppose. You mentioned volume earlier, it's actually I guess there's some guidance on this. The WHO recommends 30 decibels as a upper limit, and that's ludicrous. That's the sound of um, <laughs> a quiet library. You know, any type of suction device or whatever negates that completely. It has to be louder than the suction device. <laughs> that's right. That's that's kind of the bottom line. But, you know, in the same breath, like, have you ever come across a situation where, you know, can I have the X, Y, or Z? Can I have the X, Y, or Z? And it, it might be the music that's making communication challenging or robotic cases. You're sitting on a console somewhere in the corner, you know, the circulator scrubs a little bit further away. You got some music playing 
I don't like using the microphone because I think it's a little obnoxious. But um, what about that? Have you ever come across that? Yeah, that happens from time to time. And I think a um, couple things, like if you're, like when I'm working around the, the hilum, if I'm doing a nephrourethorectomy and I'm about to staple the vessels and we have somebody at the bedside who may not, you know, be a seasoned bedside person, you know, I'll turn down the volume. I'll say, you know, I want to have a couple of staplers in the room. We're going to staple this. You're going to grab the stump just in case if a, there's a misfire or something like a disaster happens. So I try to anticipate the parts of the case where I'm going to need more communication and turn down the volume. But occasionally, yeah, you're right. They won't hear and I'll have to just say, hey, excuse me. Hey, can I get this? Can I get this? And then, you know, eventually they'll hear. And, you know, if, if that's a, a routine thing, you know, we'll turn down the volume. But it's never that loud or obnoxious. Like I'm able to raise my voice slightly and ask anesthesia, how's the patient doing periodically? And they're able to hear me. They're able to hear their monitors when they beep. Because I agree with you. I think if you get too loud, and maybe maybe it's not 30, but if you get too loud, then it's it's distracting. And I, I really think you got to have that fine line between tuning out the people who walk in and out of your OR, but being able to ask for things and getting them quickly, you know, without people not being able to hear you. That all makes sense. And it's kind of, a, I think, a reasonable segue. What about when things get a little bit turned up, the acuity changes, maybe, you know, you're you've got a bit of a complication transpiring. What goes on in, in that context? Yeah, so you you turn down the music and you ask for, you know, all the product and whatever else you need in the room. And you're obviously high stress level. I'll look at the clock. I'll tell the uh, circulator, all right, which of my partners are in the OR today? You know, I might, you know, need a hand. I'll ask him, you know, which vascular or colorectal surgeon is around in case I need a hand in that area. And, you know, kind of wait to get through the tough part. And once we do and you feel like you've gotten through and you're kind of back to closing, then, you know, music will come back on. You know, we'll basically say, okay, I think we're good. We got out of trouble. Let's get the music on. Let's close and get out of the room. If I'm working with another service, so a lot of times I'll do combination cases with colorectal or gynoc or some other service, we will... um you know, I'll gauge what that other attending, you know, wants to listen to. Um, usually if it's in my room, in my case, I'll put on my music, but I'll put it down much lower than normal. And uh, when they come in, I ask them if they have any problem with the music. And some of them, to their credit, have no problem saying, no, you know, I prefer to be quiet. And I'll say, okay, fine, we'll make it quiet, not an issue. So I think working with others, seeing what their preferences are, and just don't let the music become a deterrent. And when you need to focus, focus and remove anything that might distract you. That's all That's all really nice um, intel there, Piyush. And you kind of alluded to this a bit earlier, and I wanted to dig in deeper. So if you're going to select music, I mean, obviously this is kind of evolving right now. You can pick like a song on Spotify or YouTube music or whatever, and there'll be 20 songs that are kind of in there. And, you know, this isn't a my life being controlled by AI conversation, but I've kind of embraced it and accept it. I don't know. I remember as an early attending, I wanted to kind of find something that would be universally relatable, likable, and, and importantly, not offensive. I had like a Rolling Stones top 500 that was released probably like, I don't know, 10 years ago at this point. And it was all, you know, just kind of good music. And then like, like number three, I want to say was like F the police by like NWA. And I was just like, oh my God, I was like a new attending. And I was like, good God, what's going on here? Or, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s and like 90s hip hop just kind of like was 
it was everywhere. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the demographic is. I think everybody from the 90s at least is familiar with that music. But you listen to it and you're like, whoa, that's not all like, you know, I don't believe that, you know, misogyny or whatever. But how do you, how do you kind of navigate that? Yeah. So interestingly, you know, we had an attending who got reprimanded for having just a 90s hip hop playlist. And it was an unedited playlist. It was probably just telling the circulator, hey, can you put on a 90s playlist from Spotify, a 90s hip hop? You know, they did that. And the attending had no part in picking any of these songs, but just liked the music, just like you and I do. And attending got written up for it. And it was for language that was in the song. And so after I heard that story, it made me pause. And I was a little bit, you know, it was one of those situations like, wow, like you're just listening to music. I mean, people are that, like, can't we talk about it instead of just writing someone up? Like, can't you just say, hey, Dr. So-and-so, can you just not play this music? It's just really kind of offensive. But there was not that opportunity. So what I do personally is, because I love playing 90s hip hop, but I have a a playlist that is the the non-E versions, you know, so the non-explicit versions of all the songs we know and we love. And so we know when the swear word's coming in, but it's sort of like faded out. And um, before I put it on, I ask everyone in the room, I say, look, this is a 90s hip hop playlist. Is everyone okay with this? If you're not, I'm welcome to play anything else because I'm, I'm not going to take any responsibility for any of the words being stated. And if I don't get like a verbal nobody tells me anything, then, you know, I've asked and it's, it's a curated playlist. And if you get written up after that, well, then people just don't like you. No, I think that's good. I mean, you know, we have a Peloton at home and, you know, I'll use this sometime. It's probably something my wife uses, but I think they do a good job. You know, they're kind of like, this is a X, Y, and Z ride. You can't do it in a radio edited version. If you're not into that or you don't want your kids to hear it, get a pair of headphones or do something else. And I think, you know, certainly with a radio edit version, it seemed like you're at least covering your bases. And of course, nobody wants to make anybody feel offender or out of place. And I mean, actually, one of my, it's kind of fun and funny things to do is if if there's a couple of trainees or team members that are Indian, we'll put on like a Bollywood playlist and, um, you know, it exposes people to different musics. And by all means, I've had you know, trainees or team members from different parts of the country and have really, really enjoyed um, learning other music. Yeah. No, I, I love playing that. Obviously, you have to have the, the right crew. So I, I did a lot of world music DJing. So like Arabic, Greek, Indian. So I've got this world music playlist that if people are like, say, Tatra Agawa, I want to listen to this, like something really unique. And I'm like, all right, well, this is world music. It shouldn't offend anyone because you guys don't know what the words are saying. Neither do I. And as long as you're okay with it. So we'll do that for sometimes um, I have a bangers playlist. So it's all bangers. So we're talking about think of classic rock like anthems, 80s, you know, Def Leppard, Pour Some Sugar on Me for our 80s reference, you know, Biggie for like 90s. So you've got like just anthems or bangers and it'll be an all anthem, all banger playlist. And people enjoy that because they'll say, yeah, you're right. That was the song back in the day. We'll have a playlist of like uh, show tunes, you know, for the occasional person who's into that. I only know like three or four, you know, musicals like Hamilton. So that's pretty easy to, it's essentially a Hamilton, you know, playlist with a couple of other things thrown in. Like I personally enjoy a lot of EDM and lo-fi. And so those are kind of my, those are my go-to. So those are like, if the residents want to get into my inner soul, then those are kind of the uh, the songs I like. And I like to just 
they're perfect for robotic cases because you are just moving and they just keep the set uh, like a nice backbeat to the to the whole OR. So it creates, um, at least for me, it puts me in a zone and I, I think I work a lot faster. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, you know, it might be nice for our community and certainly for you to have some kind of network of shared playlists on Spotify or whatever that it's kind of like, oh, that sounds amazing or their music resonates with me. You know, I kind of think about also there are certain people that had their playlists. I'll say it because I don't think he would mind. Like Jeff Kadadu is like a huge yeah. ABBA fan. Yeah, and yeah. it's like every case <laughs> you listen to ABBA and just the whole kind of all of that together. Yeah. And so like anytime like I'm with like my co-residents or anybody from like training and like ABBA pops on, like Jeff's going <laughs> to come in. And, you know, it kind of get to poke a little fun at him and at the roast every year, like somebody has like Jeff like playing ABBA or there's another pediatric surgeon who was always, he was like 60, but Red Hot Chili Peppers was his jam and he had like a very distinct voice and he'd be like... <laughs> How about the chili peppers? And like, you yeah. know, that was just kind of like <laughs> what we did. So I think there, you know, there can be this like kind of fun association with the surgeon and music. I mean, for me, I, I fondly remember that anytime like during a, a prostatectomy, there was a, a certain bedside PA, his name was Patrick Doherty, he's awesome. He would always have the nurses queue up no diggity because it was time to bag it up. <laughs> so like when the specimen was ready to be put in the endocatch bag, it would just be like, dun, 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 and, um, and that was just just kind of kind of fun. No, I think having that's good. Obviously, having I think almost every mix I use the OR, I think I have closing time on that mix because the hope is at some point it will come on when we're actually closing. <laughs> sometimes it does. Sometimes it's like totally wrong part of the time. But if the case is going to go long, sometimes it'll repeat and we'll get it on the other end. Funny story about that. I mean, you know this guy's a gentleman and he's a you know someone I've always admired. Promote Sagani at Memorial Sloan Kettering. So I was a med student at Cornell and Dr. Sagani came in one day and we were doing a long case. I think it was a cystectomy. And he said, you know, my daughter just got me this CD and it was like Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca. And it was the entire album. So he put it on. And of course, like the first two songs, everybody knows because they were what was played on the radio, but like the other eight songs, nobody knew that. And this was the day of CDs, right? So he like the CD just played over and over again for the six, seven hours we were in there. And by the, you know, fifth or sixth hour, it was just killing, killing me. But, you know, I was the lowly med student in the room just going, gosh, can we listen to something different? But, you know, nobody, you know, and he's such a nice guy. Nobody had the uh, the guts to say, hey, can we change the music? But um, I think I told him that story a couple years afterwards and he laughed at it. And he said, yeah, I don't remember and I was thinking, I remember because I listened to all 10 songs six hours in a row. But it was interesting. You know, as a med student, I'm clearly not operating, so I was just observing. But the thought I had the other day is, wouldn't it be cool just to introduce people to just an album? You know, just say, this was a defining album of my time, and we're going to listen to it. Because we rarely do that nowadays. We're actually going to listen to all the songs on the album. Because we had to do that when we bought CDs, because he had no choice. Yeah, that's a great idea. I just need to like bring in like Nirvana MTV Unplugged in New York and be like, everybody should know every song, A to Z, Sublime, pick an album and make sure that doesn't get lost. Well, we've talked a little bit about, you know, it's been really fun. The patient experience in terms of sedation, periop, going to sleep. My uh, understanding of the literature is actually some of the vital signs, narcotic requirements, et cetera, are actually improved. And it turns out, I'm not an expert in this, but the auditory cortex is still active for the patient. It makes sense, right? If we're sleeping, we're still able to hear. So 
we could wake up if there was a danger, you know, think it from an evolutionary perspective. So I don't know if there's been like well done randomized controlled trials, equalize everything else. And if you listen to a nice soothing set of tunes, your heart rate and narcotic requirements, there's an indication of that. I think we've talked a little bit about um, the impact on surgeon, comfort, anxiety levels, ubiquity. I think 70 to 90% of surgeons, like you mentioned, listen to something. I think it can be an opportunity for equity or an opportunity for inequity. Modern day, I think most reasonable people would want to use it as an opportunity for equity. And then, you know, exposure to something a little bit different. That That's kind of what I take away from this. I mean, I think, look, you're working with a group of people. You see these people like almost as much as you see your kids. And to listen to music and just, it launches you into talking to other, about other things, other conversations. It's just a background that's there that you could, you could jump off and go into different worlds and topics. I mean, especially a long open surgery. I mean, you've got a lot to talk about because the moves are the moves that people know how to do. So I think, yeah, I think it's something where you as the surgeon can share something with the circulator in the room, the med student in the room, the CRNA, you all are sharing an experience. I think a good song played out loud that everyone can actually enjoy. It's like when, when I get a sense that everybody likes a song playing, it's sort of like in my mind, okay, my playlist has done what I wanted it to do. It, it brought everyone together and we're operating, we're getting this case done and everybody's in a happier place than they were before we started the case. I think that's it, right? It's just an opportunity for team building, culture creation, which are so important in surgery. You know, one of the things that I, it just kind of happened is um, around the end of the year, Christmas time, et cetera, I'll usually somehow, it just seems like I always have like a pretty gnarly R pill ND. And what I'll do is try to kind of query all the artists that have passed away that year. And, um, kind of go through, I don't know what, like, was like Prince and George Michael died. It was like a pretty wild year. And and, and funny enough, um, this case was like, I had one, it was like a 10, 12 hour, just, you know, every little millimeter was a beat. And the fellow and the trainee involved in that case, like to this day, after like a tough case, they'll just like send me like, George Michael, I'm never going to dance again. That was kind of our thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm never going to dance again after that, um, our pill and D. But, uh, well, you know, not to kind of put you on the spot, Piyush, but there are songs that seem like they've just were maybe meant for the OR or, or not meant for the OR that are just kind of medically directed, surgically directed. What are what are your some are some of your this is a good one or steer clear of this one? You know, for classic rock, yeah, I really like Queen. I think Queen is great and all their songs, except probably another one bites the dust, probably is not the best one. And I think when that comes on, I've had some people in the room go, why would you put this on your playlist? I said, well, I really like the song. And I look at another one bites a dust like that's another case that's done, but you could look at it the other way as well. Yeah. Like I'm going to the spirit in the sky. That one might not be a uh, perfect. No, that will not be a perfect one. I think though, I think it all pretty much works. I mean, I lately have been playing a lot of Nora and Pure and Sophie Tucker and they just have some great beats and it's just kind of a nice sort of a lounge kind of feel in the OR, like a lounge where you're just kind of people are funneling in. It's very relaxed. There's a, there's a, there's a little beat you can kind of walk to, but it's not, uh, it's not overpowering and kind of that lo-fi chill out groove is what I really think plays great in the OR, especially for a, for a long case, a robotic case. 
where it's already dark in the room and you kind of have that vibe that goes with it. But if I sense that people are going to sleep or it's too relaxing for them, then it's time to get, you know, the other way we'll go often is the 90s alternative rock. All the classics, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Green Day, Spin Doctors, you know, er anything you can think of from the 90s, Black Crows, all the bands that had one hit wonders and the other ones like Pearl Jam that produced a lot of good stuff, Nirvana, you know, you'll have that. So like the 90s alternative rock playlist is always a hit. And that's that's consequently my longest playlist. And, you know, there's a couple of shorter ones. I have a nice classic ones of Sam Cooke, Harry Belafonte. So really classic stuff that any good music aficionado should know. Commodores, you know, sort of the real classic. So I just have a real deep, rich classic playlist that I'll play as well from time to time. And it's great when the residents are like, I don't know the song. I'm like, oh, you should really listen to the song. This is great. This is, I think there was somebody tweeted about, it. I think Brian Chapin or someone had tweeted Sam Cooke. I think it was like the 30th or 40th anniversary of his biggest hit. And so we had to play it. You know, we had to play Sam Cooke in the OR that day. So, and it was great. You know, the residents kind of got to listen to all that cool music. Sit, you know, Otis Redding's already sitting on the dock of the bay. So a lot of that, you know, old classic kind of R&B driven music was awesome. So it just sets the mood of the day and it works really, really so well. I, I can't, if somebody took away the music of my OR, they would be taking away my OR. Well, um, you know, Piyush, thanks for, you, you've clearly been very thoughtful about this and um, I hear what you said. You know, my, I have two children, seven and nine, and sometimes a, a song will stick. Like they love like country roads or fast cars and it just warms my heart to be like, you know, these are the songs that were so powerful to me when I was like a little dude. And, and when it does stick, especially with the kind of just enormous amount of like amazing music that's available today, it's really, really cool. Well, hey, this, this has been super fun, educational. Any kind of parting thoughts for the listenership as we, as we wind down? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's more technical, but, you know, I, I kind of, I, I get no, I have no investments in either of these companies. So Apple actually introduced this lossless quality to their music, which gives their digital music uh, a little richer, you know, sound. They also have another concept called spatial audio. I've never done a head-to-head -head test. There's another platform called Deezer um, that claims to have high fidelity music, but both of them claim to be better than Spotify. And I would just encourage everybody to try out the three different platforms and see which one works best for them. I like personally the sound of Apple Music and because I have three kids and I have to pay for their Apple subscriptions, <laughs> I can get everybody their own Apple Music account for way cheaper than it would be if I got Spotify. But I do think Spotify is great. I have a lot of great playlists there that I need to import. Uh, and you would think there would be, there's expensive software that'll do that, but you would think there'd be an easier way to import it, but you, there isn't. You either do it manually or you pay for some expensive software to transfer it. Uh, I'm sort of doing it, you know, slowly. But uh, I guess my only parting thoughts are, you know, talk to everybody in the room, make it a team effort. Uh, I think as you recommended, alternate, you know, the responsibility of music among people so everybody feels like they're a part of the team. Obviously, you know, don't make it so loud where you can't talk and, and ask for things in the room. And um, just try to make it, you know, I think it'll... In all the monotony of the day that we have and with burnout and everything else, I mean, I always find just playing some fresh music, coming into the OR, you know, I could be having the most grueling 
week, but for those four to eight hours in the operating room, you know, I'm like refreshed. I'm listening to some music I haven't heard in a while and it, it's great. My mind can focus on the case and not worry about anything else. So I think if you don't make it a routine in your OR, try to consider doing it. I think you might, might enjoy it. All right, Piyush. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. All right, man. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at underscore Backtable on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Backtable is hosted by Aditya Bagrodia and Jose Silva. Our audio team is led by Kieran Gannon with support from Josh McWhorter, Aaron Bowles, Nick Shellcross, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Devante Delbrun. Social media and PR by Chi Ding. Administrative support provided by Jimmy Lee Kinnebrew. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.